Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Good morning, City Church family. Thank you for joining us today. Can you believe it's March? Moving into spring, sort of maybe springtime sun out there. The sun's coming up earlier and staying up later. It is great for you to join us today. Hey, you know what? We're moving towards Easter. Resurrection Sunday is happening April 4th. And what we would love to do every year as we move toward Easter, and we can think about who can I invite to church for Easter this year. Now, we may or may not be meeting in person. We'll have to see about that as we go forward. But either way, it's never been easier for you to invite someone to Easter service in 2021. So we're going to have some resources in the next couple weeks for you to invite your friends. But be thinking about that, praying about that. Who can I invite to church this year as we celebrate the resurrection and you could be praying for that person then you can be thinking about connecting with that person and then helping disciple that person to Jesus all right let's just pray before we get started today father god we just thank you for your goodness today we love you so much we're just so thankful for your goodness in our lives we're so thankful for salvation we're so thankful for your spirit indwelling us God, you are so good to us, and we just love you so much. As we open up your word today, God, we just pray that you reveal yourself to us, that you help us to move closer to you. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> All right, we are starting a brand new series today, and it is called Live the Life. Now, when we think about life just in general, do we take life for granted? Do we take for granted the fact that we get to live and breathe and move around and think and eat and have friends and have family? And we just kind of think, well, yeah, yeah, of course we get to do these things. But do we take that for granted or do we think it's special? Do we think it's special in all of God's creation that we can actually think that we can think about life? Now, just the word life itself, just a simple definition, means the principle or force underlying the detective quality of all animated beings. It's kind of a technical definition, but there's something underlying all of life. Very simple. Another simple definition is what is living moves and what is dead ceases to move. So there's some movement when we think about life. When we look in the scripture, we see the divine force of breath that Adam breathed, or that God breathed into Adam's lungs. The electricity of life. Do you know that there is electricity happening right now in your brain? There's electricity in your heart causing your heart to beat. How did all of these things get there? And what, the, what we would call these things is we would call them life. Now, there's some building blocks of life um, that we would see that's been mapped recently in the history of humanity and in medicine and science. Science is called DNA. And what we would know about DNA, that it's the programming, the, the design language for your body, for all things, for all living things. Now, as we, when I say we, I'm saying scientists, not me. I didn't calculate this. That in one cell in your body, there's approximately five to six feet of DNA packed into one cell 
of your body, all infused with the life of God. Now, they've, they've measured it, and they would say, there's enough programming in your body, knowing that there's five to six feet of DNA in one cell, and that DNA is the programming for life. There is enough programming in your body to go 60 round trips to the sun. So that's a little bit of programming language, a little bit of a design that God threw on the inside of us. Now, to try to put this in perspective a little bit, you know, recently NASA sent a probe to Mars Perseverance, and it took about seven months for this probe to go from Earth to Mars, and it traveled at 39,000 kilometers an hour for seven months. So that's a little bit of time traveling a little bit of distance. Now, that distance, when we think about going from Earth to Mars, now the distance from Earth to the sun is approximately three times that. Is everybody sticking together with me with these numbers? So we have enough programming language in our body to go 60 round trips from the Earth to the sun. There's life in you. There's an amazing amount of life infused into all of your DNA. It is the animating power of God. Now, when we think about power in and of itself, you know, we, we, we don't necessarily know where it all comes from. But when we think about power, I know there's something that very, that's very uh, important that happens every Christmas time. And now when, at Christmas time, when we are buying gifts and we have, you know, maybe some video games that we're going to play at Christmas time. There's always a very big necessity that we will have at Christmas time. And, you know, family members will be saying, hey, you know, before the store is closed, we need to get something. And it, it's something very important. And it's these AA batteries. Because any video game is going to, their controllers are going to need some AA batteries or some toys that you might you know, buy for your kids. Now, when I was thinking about the il illustration, I was thinking, you know, about being Morpheus, explaining to Neo the Matrix. <laughs> but there's power in this battery. There's, we, know, we don't know exactly, unless you're a chemist or, um, you know, super intelligent. We know there's a chemical reaction going to take place in this battery to give me power to run something. Now, we know that without though some sort of toy or game or application that this power just sort of sits empty and it actually has no purpose. But when we take this power and we plug it into the right thing, it is very useful. Now we think about the power infused into our life. We don't actually know where it came from other than from God. And we think about the amazing life that God has infused into our DNA you know, we could think about how amazing is it that humanity can fire a rocket at Mars and seven months later it hits the planet and lands successfully, but we can't get along with our spouse. We can't get along with our friends. That, that countries still are at odds with each other. We've got some sort of access to knowledge and, and power and, and science and all these things that we're learning at, but we're missing out sometimes that just being, hey, there, there's power in my brain, the life of God in my heart, but not knowing to do with what all of the, the power that exists on the inside of us. Because I don't know about you, but I, I just don't want to be one of these. 
I just don't want to be a battery that has all this amazing programming language and the life of God in my heart and my brain and actually not know why God put it there or how to live the life that he designed for us to live. Now, our last series, Saved, was all about discussing the provision of God uh, for us. But today in this series, as we start this series, we want to look at the directives or the direction that God gives for life. Because there's this underlying power that's existing in our bodies, infusing our brains and infusing our hearts. Now that's life, but there's also life on top of that, how to live life. There's the base power of life, but then how we operate with each other, that's also called life, that we are living our lives. And so what we want to do and what, should we, what we should want to understand is the way God wants us to live life because he has infused our DNA with life. But then he's also given us directives and directions how to live life. So what does optimal life look like for me other than just being a battery, other than just having power in my brain and in my heart? How do I move in the direction that God would have me to move? You know, the scripture would tell us that we are born, but then we are also set apart for a purpose. We, we exist, but then there's a reason why we exist and that we want to discover that purpose, living the life of God, not just being a battery, not just having electricity exist in our brains and in our hearts, but we want to live out the life of God. Jesus said it like this in John chapter 10. He said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So what life is Jesus talking about? Is he talking about that we need more electricity-infused DNA to live our lives? No, he's talking about the life that happens on top of this existence that we have, that we get to breathe and live and think. But there's an abundant life that God has for us, and this is why Jesus came, so we could understand this. Now, this word abundant just means exceeding abundantly. It means, I love this, something further, more than just having DNA, which we didn't create, and electricity that's firing in our body right now that we didn't put there. But there's something more than just that. And then another definition just means more. Superior, extraordinary, uncommon. And I feel like we should all desire to live uncommon lives. Not just exist. Not just to have the DNA that we can count and go back and forth to the sun 60 times. But what does all of that mean? Jesus is telling us there's something in him that helps us to discover life. And also that he said abundant life, that word life there in the Greek is the word zoe. This means every living soul. It means this, the absolute fullness of life. Something beyond breathing and thinking and consciousness which we don't understand. Listen to this. The life of God is both essential and ethical the directions, the directives that God has for us. Also, the life of God, it belongs to God. The amazing stats I gave you there about the DNA that exists in your body, you didn't self-manifest any of that. It actually belongs to God. 
So for us not just to be a battery, that we need to also be amazed at the type of life that God wants us to live, an uncommon one, a superior one, not superior to other people, but superior to just breathing and living and thinking, active, devoted to God. Paul comments on the activity of the life of God in my life. In Romans chapter 8, it says this, verse 27, sorry, verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So in these verses, we see a couple different things that Paul is de- describing to us some directions and some directives for our lives. But he's, he's, the first thing he comments on is what God is doing. So God is ordering the chaos that happens in our lives. We're living in a sin-filled world that has affected every human being. And what is God doing? He's taking all of that mess and then he's bringing order to it. He did not cause the mess. Sin causes the mess. But God is taking all of the mess of our lives and he is bringing order to it. That's what God is doing. But then he says something for us to do, a directive, directions. What is it? Verse 29, he predestined us. In other words, he decided ahead of time that this was the best thing for us to do. What is it? To be conformed to the image of his son, moving to the image of Jesus. That this is what life, beyond just thinking and breathing and acting, beyond just existing, looks like. This movement, not, not staying the same, moving to the image of Christ. Now, when we think about moving to the image of Christ, it's kind of a natural thing that we think about as Christians. But we, when you think about this idea, it could actually crush us. Because it is impossible that Jesus, the sinless lamb of God, who lived a life without sin, and that we compare that to us, and if we're honest about who we are and what we've done, there's no way that we measure up to that idea, that notion. It could just crush us. It could be just too heavy for us to think about that I'm going to move to the image of Jesus. But we always have to remember that this journey that we are on, moving to the image of Christ, man, it's a grace-filled journey. That God gives us grace as we move to the image of Christ, the perfect man, the perfect sinless man. God has predestined you and I for this purpose. This is what life looks like, not just electricity-infused DNA. Beyond that, the life of God in our lives. So we want to choose something We want to choose something beyond just being a battery. In the Old Testament, we see God in in the book of Deuteronomy talks to the children of Israel and he says, you know, I, I set before you life and death. In other words, there's two ways to live. There's two ways to live life just beyond you get to breathe and think and your heart beats. There's death and there's curse, but there's this. And what I want you to do, God says, I want you to choose life. Want you to, I have some advice for you. I have some directives for you. I have some directions for you. What is it? I want you to choose life. And when we go back to the beginning of creation, we can see ourselves in the, the initial story of creation. And I, 
there's, every time I go back to the book of Genesis, I just, I'm more and more amazed at the thoughts contained here in the book of Genesis in the initial creation. I know we like to look at the story and we like to put ourselves, you know, well, I'm Adam or I am Eve or I'm the, you know, we're the one that would sin, but I, w- I wouldn't sin and I would have done the right thing. Hey, what we should find in the book of Genesis, this is us. We would have made the same mess if we were there, if we had the same opportunity, we would have made the same mess. So it shows us the human condition and it shows us our common nature as humans. Let's read it here in Genesis chapter two, verse eight. And it says this, and the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and there he put the man whom he had formed. So God forms us with all of the, DNA and all of the electricity happening right now in your body. And then it says this, and out of the ground, the Lord God made up to spring every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. These two uh, very specific trees right there. And it says in the middle of the garden right in the middle of the garden with this representation of what life is all about. There's a couple things here that we can see in these verses, two, two very practical things. It says he had all of these trees pleasant to sight and good for food. So what do we see? In the midst of that, there is beauty and there's practicality. This, this is what God created uh, for us to partake of. And once again, these two trees, these two very specific trees that we don't have much understanding about, but they're both there in the middle of the garden. And when we think about our lives, this is what we would think about as it relates to our lives. There's something at the middle of my life. And there would be an option for us, for all human beings, that these two trees will be there. There's a tree of life and there's a tree of the good and evil. And so we don't get much revelation about what that might mean, but let's continue on. Same chapter, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So what we always like to say, and it's a very important thing, work was before the fall. So we get to work. We don't have to work. We partner with God's creation. It is a blessing for us to be able to work. Can I get an amen? (laughs) To work it. We get to create stuff with God's creation. And the Lord commanded the man saying, you shall surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now I was listening to, uh, I forget exactly, I saw this on Instagram and I went to another page and just, I had always been wondering about the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil, and the tree of life. And I think sometimes there's some obvious things in there. But how they were defining these two things, and I think it's so helpful, the tree of life, in a sense, is having God at the center of our lives. Both of these trees here in the center of the garden. And then God says, hey, all of these, all of these other things are for you. But what's not for you is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, that man would choose for himself what is good and what is evil. Don't partake of that tree. We don't get to be God, is what God is saying to Adam and Eve at the beginning. And this is man's struggle forever. This is everybody's struggle all of the time. 
Will I submit to the life of God, not just that I have electricity flowing through my body, but the life of God as described in Jesus? That the life God wants us to live is having him at the center of our lives, in the middle of the garden. There's these two choices that we have that I, for me, would define what is good and evil or the tree of life, which is having God at the center of my existence. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, the story continues. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field, and the Lord than the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say? So he comes in with this question. Did, did God really say that? Is that really that big of a deal? Is it really that big of a deal that we don't get to define for ourselves what is good and evil? Did God really say that? Or we're smart. We've got DNA firing in our body. We can think. We have all of these choices that we can make. So what is the enemy trying to get Adam and Eve to think? And what is the enemy trying to get us to think? Did God re- does God really have directives for our lives? Or are we just batteries? It's all completely random. Then we could just choose stuff. And we can just make up stuff as humans and, and live that and somehow find success in that. Now, I would think if we're looking at humanity and being honest with ourselves, we're still struggling with this. But God actually has some directives and some directions for us. Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any of the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now we know when they ate of the tree, they didn't fall over dead, cease to exist. But what did they insert into their life. They inserted death into their life. And what is the origin of death in our lives? I'm going to say what's right and wrong. I'm going to decide for myself about how life should be lived. I'm going to decide for myself how I should exist in marriage. I'm going to decide for myself how I'm going to exist in friendship. I'm just going to think on my own. I don't need the tree of life in the middle of my garden. I, I can, I'm, I'm good enough for myself. And this is the problem with humanity, and this has always been the problem with humanity. Neither you should eat it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die. This is what temptations sound like. This is not a big thing. This is not going to really hurt you that much. This momentary thing that you know is wrong, that God has said is wrong, but you wanted to find it differently, this thing is actually going to hurt you. It's going to insert death into your living. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. We would be like God. Here's the temptation of the two trees. That the tree of life is having God at the center of my life. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is me self-identifying. Me deciding for us. I know for myself what is good. No, this inserts death into our lives. But what's in the abundant tree? The tree of life is God at the center of my existence. Once again, he he put this electricity in your body for a reason. There's directives and directions that go along with the life that we are trying to live. But what we shouldn't do is think, no, I don't need that. 
I don't need God at the center of my garden. I don't need God at the center of my life. I can decide for myself. But God actually wants us to live abundant life. Life that it would exceed. More life. Life that goes beyond. This is what God has for us. Beyond that, anything that we could dream up or imagine. This is what God has for each person. So we get these two trees. And then what's the struggle there for us? The struggle there is obedience. Both trees are there. Both trees are in our lives every day. Am I going to submit my life, my battery, to God and live that life? Or am I going to decide for myself? Am I going to just do my own thing? Man, there's abundant life that comes from deciding daily to put God at the center of my life. Now, just the thought, this is just the beginning, this message, just the introduction to the series. This one thought I have for us as we finish this message today is that worship is the gateway into accessing and accepting God's word. In other words, God's life. Worship will get me there. In other words, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to honor the tree of life versus just honoring me and my thoughts and what I could think of in my 51 years or however old you are. This is what I can think of in this amount of time. I'm taking all these different things. I'm looking at life and I'm deciding about life. No, but worship is the gateway. Worshiping God is the gateway into accessing and accepting God's word, God's life. We exist, but then the life of God is how God wants us to live. In other words, on bended knee, God at the center of my life. That's the abundant life. That's the tree of life. Man fails constantly when we put ourselves at the center of our lives. So we all, as Christ followers, we need to carry this disposition of worship. Because here's the reality, friends. Everybody worships, but not everybody worships God. Everybody is a worshiper. Everybody is having something at the center of their lives that to them, that's first place. A thought, an idea, themselves, another person. And the list could go on and on. But at the center of worship is God. It's a bended knee to God. It's a yielding to God. Man, this is why this is the starting place for this series. Because this is what takes us into all the other directives and directions that God has for us to live. A very famous story where Jesus talks about worship is found in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. And Jesus had met this woman and they had a discussion about water and then he uh, told her everything about her life that she had been with all these men and the, the man that she was with wasn't her husband. And then she says this, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, I... Believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. 
Verse 23, but the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. This is the same narrative we see in the garden. God is seeking after people to put himself at the center of their existence. We have the battery activity going on on the inside of us. But what are we putting the battery into? Are we designing the thing to put the battery into? Or does God have to say something about that? What does God want us to do? He's wanting us to, to worship him. Here it says, in spirit and in truth. Verse 24, God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? It means worship is from our heart. It's from the seat of who you really are, the seat of authority in the middle of your heart that every day we decide, am I yielding to God or am I yielding to self? Am I defining life for myself and what it can be? Will I decide what marriage looks like for me and my spouse or will I insert God into that conversation and life? What does it mean to be a good friend? God has a lot to say about that. Will we bend our knee to what God says and receive the abundant life that Jesus came for us to experience and know? It's beyond just being a battery. It's beyond just existing. There's life beyond exceeding life, abundant life. Psalm 33, some thoughts here about worship as we finish. Psalm 33 verse 1 says this. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Sing joyfully to the Lord. In other words, sing his praises, not your own or something else. Because why? The worship is the gateway. Worship is the gateway to perceiving what God has for us, his directives and his directions, his life. He has life. He has abundant life for us. So this is why the scripture over and over again says, man, sing joyfully to the Lord. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. In other words, it is the right disposition. But what is it? Man, it's joy. There's joy in worshiping God. There is no joy in worshiping yourself because you fail and I fail and we come short. We're not worthy of worship. This is the same discussion in the garden. What's gonna be at the center of my life? The tree of life has God at the center of my existence. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil that I'm deciding is what inserts death into our lives, but there's joy in worshiping God. There's joy in getting your eyes off of yourself and what thoughts you can dream up. No, but God has thoughts for us to think. He has ways for us to act. He has directives and directions that go along with the power that already exists in your body. Psalm 86 verse 12 says this, I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forever. I will give thanks. And this came up Wednesday um, at our conversation on first Wednesday, just this idea so important to position ourselves as thankful people in this very difficult season. There's a lot of things to complain about. There's a lot of struggle happening in the world. 
But again, a disposition of worship is one of giving thanks because worship centers something in your life. And we, when we remember that God is good and all of the good things that we have in our lives have come from God and all of the bad things that we experience in our life come from sin and from the enemy and the broken world that we live in, what do we want to center our lives on? We want to center our lives on God. That is the tree of life. First Thessalonians chapter five. I think I've read this verse four or five times this year and it's so important. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now it's not give thanks for all circumstances because all circumstances don't come from God but it's give thanks in, in the context of any circumstance. I want to have God as the tree of life, as the center of my existence, because that's where life comes from. In this place of praise, in this place of worship, because man, it's the gateway. It's the gateway to his directions and his directives. Psalm 40 verse eight, man, we delight in God. I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. Your will, I wanna do God's will, not my own will, what I could think of, what I could dream, what I could decide is right and wrong. I wanna do the will of God. I wanna do the law of God. And then finally this, Matthew 22, verse 37, he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Loving God. That loving God, having God at the center of our lives, this true place of worship, not just loving myself, what I could think up, what I could decide about life, but this is what Jesus calls us to do. Man, we need to become skillful worshipers. And I just don't mean singing or how you raise your hands or how you clap during worship but skilled in the knowledge how to keep God at the center of our lives. Know what's going on around us. Be thoughtful about what's going around us and still worship God. Keeping God at the center because that is where life is. Worship humbles me. Worship gives me rest. Worship opens me up to the life of God. Not this life of existence, but this life that's exceeding this more type of life that Jesus has for me. Last verse as we finish, Romans chapter 12, verse one from the message paraphrase says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, taking your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work or staying home to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. See, worship is you offering you to God. Saying, God, I, I want you at the center of my life. I, I want to know the life that you have for me, this abundant life that Jesus talked about. I just don't want to exist. I just don't want to have electricity firing in my heart and in my brain. I want to know the life that you have designed for me. What is the life that you came that I could experience? What does more life look like? That's the life I want. 
not just life that I could create and design, but what are your directives and what are your directions? I'm gonna take all of me and I'm gonna place it before you because man, it's the gateway to God's directions, God's directives and his life for our lives. Let's just pray today. Father, we just love you so much. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. That the thought of moving closer to Jesus' image doesn't have to crush us. But you give us forgiveness, that you give us your love, you give us your favor. You help us along the way that you have predestined us to move to the image of Christ. And God, we want to live your life, the life that you have for us. We thank you that you are helping us to resist that temptation of putting ourselves at the center of our existence, to deciding for ourselves what life should look like. We on bended knee, Lord, come and worship you, saying we want to live in the tree of life, whatever you would have for us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if you are watching us today and you've never taken that first step in your relationship with God, the gospel, the good news as we talked about today is that Jesus, he came, he lived a sinless life, he died on the cross and God raised him from the dead so that we could have, as we read there, abundant life. This abundant life is being connected to God. And that's what a relationship with God is all about. That's what being a Christian is all about, being a disciple of Christ. So I'm going to pray a prayer here in a second. I invite you to pray along with me. It's just a first step in your relationship with God. But our, our journey of faith is that it's a lifetime journey. So if you've never said yes to Jesus, or maybe you're watching today and you kind of feel like, you know, one time I used to serve God, but I'm so distant from God today. You know that God is not mad at you. God invites you close to himself again. You pray along with me as well. So let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. And let's pray this prayer out loud. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he came and lived a sinless life and that he died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could have a relationship with you, that I could have abundant life. God, today I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways, your direction, your directive. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at City Church GTA. Thanks again for joining us.